Hey, keto freaks. Here's an update on KetoFest. KetoFest is a ketogenic festival for everyone. Richard Morris and I, along with a host of keto rock stars you probably know, are turning the entire coastal town of New London, Connecticut, ketogenic for a whole weekend next July. At least we hope it'll be next July. The actual date won't be confirmed until mid-January. You want talks by some of the hottest names in keto? Some of the best and brightest minds have already said they want to come, including Jimmy Moore, Megan Ramos, Ivor Cummins, Dr. Jeff Gerber, Dr. Eric Westman, and Dr. Ted Naiman. We hope to have a bacon bar going all day long during the talks. Knowledge and bacon. Ah. But we're going to do much more than sit in on these great talks. How about an outdoor pig roast? Cooking classes, fitness classes, walking tours, Segway tours, and of course, live music and hanging out with fellow Ketonians. Several restaurants and bars in the neighborhood have offered up a special keto menu that includes low-carb potables, chicken wings, and fathead pizza. Wouldn't a fathead pizza truck be the best ever? Yeah, I'm talking a portable brick oven all weekend long. Well, we're going to have a Kickstarter in March to sell tickets. Meantime, add your name to the mailing list at KetoFest.com. KetoFest, real keto for real people. Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And in February 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm 80 pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia. I've been on a ketogenic diet for three years come April, and when I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. Yeah. I've also lost about 80 pounds, and I've completely turned my health around. And this show is a document of my progress through ketosis and Richard's experience thriving for years in ketosis, yeah. and hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? Nah. We hope to share some of that research, and where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite research supporting any claims that we make. And you'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. Oh, yeah. We love to cook, and we love to eat. Sure do. In every episode, we both share a keto recipe that cannot be ignored. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, Richard, let's start podcast number 49, Paying It Forward. Yeah. Well, Richard, do we have any corrections or apologies from last week? Yeah, last week was the newbie show, and I think we did a good job. I don't think there were any uh, corrections required. So, Richard, why don't you tell us what a ketogenic diet is? Sure. A ketogenic diet is any diet that puts you in a state of ketosis, which basically means if you don't eat carbohydrates, your body will be forced to make carbohydrates, and in that process it makes ketones, and that's how you get in a state of ketosis. So uh, essentially, a ketogenic diet is less than 20 grams of carbohydrates per day. That should get most people producing ketones. 
Yeah. There may be some people for whom that number is lower, but you'll find that out during the process. Hmm. The next step is you need to have the minimum amount of protein that your body requires to maintain your lean muscle mass, but you don't want to get eat any protein for energy. Right. Uh, we get all of our energy from fat. Yeah. So basically the diet simply stated is 20 grams or less of carbohydrate, protein to scale with your lean body mass for maintenance, and fat to satiety for energy. And it turns out that most people eat the right amount of protein naturally. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Larry Lustig in our ketogenic forums that said, if you just replace sugar and carbohydrates with fat, you're pretty much doing a ketogenic diet. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Most people, even on the standard American diet, we have fairly good nutrient signaling for protein. So most people, mm. even on the standard American diet, when they're eating McDonald's, if you actually look at how much protein they're getting, they're probably getting pretty close to what they need for uh, protein turnover maintenance. So, yeah, uh, yeah it, it, the difficult thing is carbohydrates and fat. If you replace all of your carbohydrates in your diet that you're currently eating with fat, as Larry said, that's probably the simplest way to uh, get yourself into a ketogenic state. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we're going to do things a little bit out of order today, starting with... Bam! <laughs> I'm going to go first. All right, I've got one here from the Newbies Forum on our new site, which is theketogenicforums.com. Yep. And this mail goes, so I've been eating keto for 10 months and I've lost approximately 14 pounds. I don't keep exact track of my macros, but I'm very conscientious of them and I follow this way of eating. I've used the keto urine strips and they've shown me in ketosis, but I've also read after a while those strips aren't accurate for a few reasons. So my question is this, how does one know they are still in ketosis? I have my own thoughts on this, but I, I would like to read yours as well. Yeah. So this is a question we've had many times before, and we've talked about it many times on the show. Sure have. But I think it's about time we talked about it again, because I see the question coming up over and over and over again. Okay, so ketosis happens whenever you don't eat carbohydrates. It also happens when you when you sleep. Yeah. Uh, when you're not eating any any food that raises your insulin, your body swings from a high insulin state to a low insulin state, and in that mode, it starts producing glucose. And it, the process of producing glucose, it will also make ketones. And so most people uh, overnight when they sleep, they wake up in a mild form of ketosis. Children, when they're born, are born in ketosis, so it's a very natural state. Yeah. It's basically what happens when you're not eating carbohydrates. Right. Um, now, as far as our newbie goes, um, you can actually measure how many ketones that you're producing, and there's uh, uh, three ways to do it. You can measure urine strips, which our newbie is using. You can measure uh, blood ketones using a glucometer that can do dual purpose, so it can... Uh, use ketone strips as well as glucose strips. And the third way of doing it is to measure the volatiles on your breath. This is through a product like Ketonics, which is a – it's basically a modified breath alcohol analyzer. Right. You blow into it and it tells you what your ketone yeah. levels are in your breath. Yeah. But it's not that simple, is it, Richard? No, it's not really that simple. This is all complicated by a bunch of factors. The first is that the P-strips that you use work really well for the first couple of weeks and then they taper off. And the reason for that is because one of the adaptations that we go through to become better at burning fat 
is that our muscle cells take up acetoacetate. This is the ketone that is being detected in your urine. They take it up and they convert it into the more preferable, more stable form of ketones, which is beta-hydroxybutyrate, and that's the one that your brain runs on. Yeah. So what happens is a couple of weeks into a ketogenic diet, you gradually switch away from making the ketone that is picked up in the pea strips to making or to having more of the ketone that is picked up in the in the blood in the blood test. That's the beta hydroxybutyrate. Yeah. The third mechanism, which is using ketonics to test in your breath, that's picking up a third ketone body called acetone, and that actually is produced spontaneously from acetoacetate. So what happens is your your liver has to make glucose because you haven't given it any to eat. And when your liver makes glucose, it steals a metabolite from liver um, mitochondria. And so what happens is fat that is now being turned into energy is only partially turned into energy and is spilled as a ketone, which is uh, acetoacetate. So your liver is busy making acetoacetate. It doesn't have a lot of time to finesse that by turning it into beta-hydroxybutyrate. So in the early days, you're going to have a lot of that acetoacetate. You're going to have a lot of the acetone that acetoacetate is spontaneously uh, converting into. And because acetone is volatile, it comes off the surface of your lungs and comes out in your breath, comes out in your skin. And so it, 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 can, be, bad. it can be detected. It does. And it can be, it's that sort of like that nail polish remover mm. uh, type of smell. And, um, and that ha in the early days, you're going to get a lot of that because you have a lot of acetoacetate. Mm. As you become better adapted, all of your muscle cells become better at moving ketones in and out of their cell membrane. And it, it's a process called the monocarboxylate transporters. And th those are being upregulated which basically means your cells are saying, look, we don't need to know a heck of a lot about glucose anymore because there's not a, not a lot of that about, but we do need to know about fat. So we're going to increase the, the dormant on our, on our cell surface to let in more fat. Mm. And that actually lets in a, uh, more acetoacetate, which is the primary form of uh, ketone. And those cells, if they burn it, that's great. If they don't need to burn it immediately, they convert it into a more stable ketone, which is beta-hydroxybutyrate, and they put it back out into, the, into, the, the, into circulation, and that's where it gets picked up by your brain. And your brain loves beta-hydroxybutyrate. Oh, it loves it, yeah. So it's your heart, right? Yeah, your heart's got 28% uh, more hydraulic efficiency when running on ketones or mm. something like that. The other thing to mention here, Richard, is that anything that you measure with a P-strip is extra. It's excess. It's what's not being used. It's what's being spilled. So that's why as it's being used later on, there's less of it in your pee because it's being used more. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's the, it is the difference. And so when you think about it, a lot of people say, well, if I'm making a lot of ketones, that means I'm burning a lot of fat. And it's not necessarily true because um, you could be, let's say you're making, let's say that you're making 10 ketones and you're using nine, what you're going to measure is one ketone. Right. Okay. That's, that's the difference. But what happens if you're making 100 ketones and you're using 99? You still measure the same one ketone leftover, yeah. but you've made 100 of them. So there's a big difference between making 100 or making 10. Yeah. So there's actually not a direct relationship between well, at least not a direct linear relationship between how many ketones you've got in your blood, in your pee, or on your breath, and how much fat you're burning. Right. 
Very good. So uh, I hope that answered your question from the Newbies Forum, but also from the Newbies Forum, Andrew Duffy, who's one of our good friends uh, from the developer world and is a great admin yeah. on the forum and in the He's Facebook group before yeah. that. Yeah. He wrote these words of encouragement. I wanted to offer some encouragement as well as a dose of caution to folks who are new to the ketogenic way of eating. Going keto, particularly if you're not coming from a similar discipline like low carb or paleo, can have its challenges. Yeah. Those of us who've been doing it for a while can be pretty enthusiastic in our promotion of keto, which may at times make it seem easier than it really is. Here's the thing. Keto is easy until it isn't. And then it is again. Yeah. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Well, anytime we start something new, particularly something that we perceive to be good for us, we've got a deeper reserve of willpower and enthusiasm that will carry us through the first phase of trying to build that habit. Right. And as it happens, keto has some seriously yummy and satisfying foods to sample. Sure. So between those two things... The first week or so of keto can feel like a breeze. Yep. Most people drop several pounds immediately as they burn off glycogen and dump water. So there's a short-term win feeling too. Yeah. Then things can get hard. Many people hit the dreaded keto flu or carb withdrawal when their bodies aren't yet fully adapted to making and burning ketones instead of glucose, yet they've drastically cut back their supply of glucose. This can include tiredness, dizziness, and generally feeling crappy. Most of these symptoms can be eased with some bone broth or supplementing salt, salt water, etc. And I would add a, uh, uh, a magnesium yeah. pill, but uh, a potassium pill, but it still stinks. On top of that, if you don't have a ready store of keto-friendly recipes, the meal plan can get a little boring. While it sounds wonderful to have bacon and eggs every morning, most of us enjoy some variety too. At the same time, the keto flu hits. For many folks, the weight loss stops or slows significantly. Yep. This is the point where many people get frustrated and some quit thinking keto doesn't work. Don't do this. <laughs> Once you get past this point, things start to get easier. When you've become fat adapted, you will have more energy and feel better and probably far better than you did eating carbs. Yep. Well, definitely, Andrew. Yeah. And he goes on. And when you've been eating keto long enough for it to become a habit, something that is simply how you live, you won't struggle with cravings. Not as much yeah. anyway. And you'll be healing your body. As has been observed in many threads already, each of us is slightly different. Younger folks, in general, will probably find it easier to lose weight more quickly on keto, while those of us who are a little more seasoned <laughs> sometimes need to throw in a little intermittent fasting or extended fasting to get the fat mobilized again. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you're just getting started, be prepared for there to be challenges along the way. You may have some slip-ups where you indulge in carbs and end up regretting it, or you may just be wishing that you didn't have to eat defensively at restaurants or read the labels on everything carefully to avoid hidden sugars. Yep. That stuff is a pain, but it's worth it. Keep calm and keto on, and you will be building a habit that promises good health and a hopefully longer, healthier life. It's so worth it. How about that? It so is. It so is worth it. Yeah, well said. Well, uh, that's all we got for mail, Richard. How was your week? Yeah, it was pretty good. I've spent the whole day trying to get a passport because uh, I'm getting ready to go to 
the uh, low carb Breckenridge event yeah. in February, end of February. And we are planning to, uh, we're going to have a dude chalet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, I think, I think we've got like 10 rooms or something. It's massive. We're going right. to, a whole bunch of us are all going, a, a whole bunch of our admins and a couple of our guests, our previous guests are, are joining us. And I've heard some speakers are going to join us for dinner. Yeah. On the Thursday, we're going to have an open house and, yeah. uh, we'll put details up on our blog, uh, once that's closer to the event, uh, so that people can register for it uh, if they're in uh, Breckenridge at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got a couple, yeah, we've got a couple of uh, speakers, a couple of former, former guests. Uh, we're going to be doing a whole bunch of cooking for that event. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. So I spent the whole week sort of organizing for that, getting passports, um, getting visas to get into America, all that kind of thing. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see you, buddy. It's been years. Since we met face it to face, it has been years. Yeah, yeah. it has. Um, but we see each other every week. Every week, so uh, <laughs> we're used to each other. So, um, so I'm looking forward to it. How was your week, Carl? Well, funny you should ask. I am not at home. I'm not in the studio. Really? I came out to California this week. Uh, I just had this voice in my head that said I needed to come out and help my friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, our friend, our good friend, Lino Tadros, decided to go keto on January 1st. And awesome. he is a, a type two diabetic has struggled with his weight and with health problems, but he's a very strong man and he's a very determined man. And uh, he saw the progress that we have been making and with other people in our community. And he said, you know what? I can do that. I'm doing it. So I said, Lino, I'm going to come out to your house. I'm going to cook for you for a week. What do you think? Wow. He's like, bring it on. <laughs> So I have now been here, let's see, two whole days and an evening, mm-hmm. and uh, we're cooking up a storm, and the whole family is involved, and it's just going great, and it's been pretty yummy, but I'll let him tell you all about it. Welcome, Lino. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Such a pleasure and an honor. Oh, it's it's great to be able to be here and, and just seeing the... Uh, I can't tell you how, how amazing this has been for me, uh, just to see your, your kids and your wife and everybody get involved and go shopping together and cooking together. It's just been great. And it's been pretty yummy, huh? It, it has been incredible. I mean, uh, my wife, my kids and I can't believe that this is a diet. This is something we will do. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, I, I'm very excited. It's always uh, great to see you, Carl. We uh, Actually, a lot of people probably don't know this, but the, the three of us know each other for almost 20 years now. Um, yeah, that's true. It's unbelievable. So I'm really grateful for both of you to help me out and for you, Carl, to come all the way from the East Coast to spend a week here for my health. Uh, something that I will never forget for the rest of my life. And it's been my pleasure. It's really a matter of paying it forward. We've had people in our own journeys who've got us started. I mean, I'm thinking back here, uh, uh, the books from uh, Drs. Finney and Volek, uh, presentations from Tim Noakes. There's been a lot of people that have freely given out information that was sufficient for me to grab onto to work out how to get my own way going. And I'm really grateful for them and I can never pay them back. So my theory was the best thing I could do is to help, is to pay it forward and help somebody else. Um, and so that was really, that was really how Carl and I got started exactly. doing this. And, and I've got to admit that because Lino and I have known each other for uh, almost 30 years now, we worked together for, um, for Borland in the early nineties. So, um, in the back of my head, while I'm talking on Facebook or, uh, other places about, uh, about what the ketogenic diet has meant for me, 
in the back of my head, I was always sort of pitching it towards an audience. And this was all of the people in my life who I know who've been type 2 diabetic. And Lino was one of those. And so Lino has been part of my I guess you could say my motivation and my uh, my inspiration to, to to do this, and so I'm I'm I couldn't be happier that that Carla's spent some time, got you guys going, and I I really I wish the best for you, really do. I, I really appreciate it, uh, Richard. You have no idea how much it means to me. And today is my tenth day on the diet, and I can tell you that I have a lot more energy. Um, I just feel happy inside. I definitely lost weight. I didn't measure it. I don't want to measure it yet, but I can I can tell I lost weight. My wife sees it as well. But uh, I can tell you I feel better, and I have a lot more energy, yeah. and I can actually work uh, longer, which is uh, definitely something I missed because lately it has been really bad for me. So I am uh, very grateful. Yeah, you said at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon you just want a nap or your brain would shut down. Yeah, you know, I'm running three companies and having to write code, and uh, uh, there's so much stuff going, and there is definitely stressful situations. So I come around two or three o'clock in the afternoon, and I can't even read a line of code. I just uh, my mind is just can't uh, can do it. I guess we're getting older, and <laughs> I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> yep. And I tell you, for the last two days. Uh, I've been doing things and working on things uh, till late, and uh, I haven't had that pleasure actually for uh, for a long time. Yeah, it's amazing. And this is what, exactly what Richard did for me, right? I mean, he didn't come to my house or anything, but we spent a lot of time just talking about this on Facebook and and even you know with email and things, and just the barrage of research that he sent my way that um, I had the wherewithal to look into and actually read. And, uh, you know, just the, the fact that somebody's figured it out and, you know, here's what I did and here's the research that supports it. Uh, it's just a very, very powerful motivator. So we're trying to encourage our entire audience to do what Richard did for me, what I'm doing for you. Hopefully, you know, you can pass it on as well um, after you fix yourself. Absolutely. It would be my pleasure. I would love to pass that on. And just tell everybody what we've eaten in the last few days. Yeah, uh, it has uh, been incredible. Actually, we uh, uh, first of all, the, the night Carl arrived, uh, what I did is actually uh, we used the uh, sous vide to start um, a chuck roast, Ooh, and nice. uh, it took forty eight hours to cook them. And today, actually, about an hour ago, we actually ate them. <laughs> <laughs> and my kids and I and, uh, and my wife Jessica uh, couldn't believe the taste. It was incredible, and we really enjoyed them very, very much. Uh, yesterday, we had uh, chicken parmesan, um, and we had uh, fake pasta. <laughs> so, right, shirataki um, noodles. It was really incredible. And today for lunch, we had. Uh, Wings in the oven uh, that were extremely mm. delicious so with the Parmesan on the outside of them as well. And your uh, son had made some uh, hot sauce, some some buffalo yeah, sauce. Buffalo sauce, with and that butter, was great. And that was, was great, great too. And nice. uh, so the whole family is involved, and they couldn't believe it. And for dessert tonight, we actually made uh, chocolate chip cookies with yep. whipped cream. And <laughs> uh, and my kids still don't believe that this is a real diet because, uh, and I can tell they're they're actually feeling better and <laughs> they're more alert and uh, yeah. it's just happiness. I that's the whole goal. That's why I'm not waiting myself. It's just that's not what I'm yep. after. I'm just after more energy and uh, healthier. And uh, and I'm gonna stick with it for a long time. Uh, hopefully, that would not be just a period of time. It would. Be be a lifestyle because I can live like this. Uh, if we were made to be like this, I'm ready to be like this. So this is great. Yeah. 
And I can tell too. I mean, there's a big difference between, you know, going on a diet and feeling deprived and sneaking stuff because your body needs it or, you know, you're craving it or whatever. And you're just not that way. I mean, even now you've gone through 10 days. That's the hardest part. Yeah. You know, you know, Carla, I told you, I usually drink one Starbucks coffee in the morning. Usually it's a vanilla latte or something like this for a lot, a lot of years. Every day, that's what I, I only have one coffee. And uh, now I don't get this. So what I do is the coffee, like you told me, with no sugar and put the heavy cream in it. And the first day, it tastes a little bit different. It was not sweet. But really, by the third or fourth day, I couldn't tell the difference whether it had sugar or not. And I'm being honest with you, with the whip, uh, the, the heavy cream made the difference. And now uh, I love my coffee in the morning with no sugar at all. It's only one cup per day. And it, uh, uh, I don't even miss the sugar at all in my coffee. Yeah. Was it the first day um, uh, I was here, the first morning? I, I promptly woke up and broke his coffee maker, so, uh, <laughs> which is good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> so we decided to go to Starbucks for coffees, and we, we got four uh, cappuccinos with with heavy cream. And uh, you know, everybody was like, "Oh my god, this is the best thing I've ever tasted." Yeah, so. it's very good. <laughs> and in the morning, we have been eating every day uh, bacon and eggs, and it has been terrific. Mm, I mean, there, nice. uh, for us, because we love that kind of stuff. It's not, we're not car people. We just eat it because it's the easiest thing yeah. to grab a sandwich at work or have a, anything with bread. That's what we're used to. But in reality, that's not really our favorite food. You know, uh, even with uh, he told me that tomorrow we're going to make pizza, which I couldn't believe yeah. with almond flour. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. think that we'll be deprived of anything that we love to eat. Um, right. We made oopsie bread uh, yeah, on the first bread. day. Yes. That was amazing. That was yeah. really awesome. So I think if you have the time and my wife is committed 100% and the kids are really uh, loving what they're seeing and uh, it's giving them a lot of more focus and energy in the last uh, just 10 days. So I think this is going to be awesome. I I'm very, very happy and optimistic. I think there was a critical time when we were watching Fathead. I think it was. We all sat down and watched Fathead. And oh, yeah. That's a great movie. Yeah. And uh, one of the boys said, he said, he paused it and he said, you know what? Uh, because uh, Tom Naughton was talking about how, you know, carbs cause the, this mental up and down and really help with depression, really help with feelings of anxiety and all this yeah. stuff. And he says, you know, I got to tell you, I'm usually like doing wild mood swings and stuff and I feel even. Yeah, I can't believe it. And he'd only been eating low carb for a couple of days. Yeah, it doesn't take long because you get off that glucose swing. You basically eat something that converts easily into glucose and your body produces insulin and it overcorrects and now you don't have enough glucose and so you have a craving to, to eat some more food. That's all going to be disturbing your mental acuity and yeah. your mental process because if you if you every – 45 minutes are getting a message saying, hey, shouldn't you have some glucose? It's going to disturb whatever thought processes you're, you're into. Right. I had the same problem with cigarettes. When I, yeah. I, I, smoked, I smoked for like 20, 20 plus years and every 45 minutes I'd get a message saying you need to, you need to get some more right. um, nicotine in you. And once I, got, once I blew, blew off that monkey off my back, um, I became much more able to focus for longer periods of time. Absolutely. It's the same thing, but it was one of those moments where, you know, everybody just, oh yeah. And the same <laughs> thing happened today at lunch. We had breakfast and, uh, it was much, much later that we ate lunch. We had our wings like around three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon. Nice. And I just took a little poll and I said, so how many of you are, are, were, were hungry around lunchtime? 
And they're like, hmm, no, no. Wow. And it's just kind of an amazing thing to look back on after a couple of days. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, uh, Lino, that Richard's here and I'm here. Are there any other questions that haven't been answered? No, I actually would like if you would let me just share with your audience um, uh, my background so they understand where I'm coming here today. Absolutely. Uh, five years ago, I was uh, 425 pounds. Wow. And I needed to do something, and diet is uh, is not possible when you are that overweight. So I actually right. went with an operation for lab band here in the Bay Area, mm. in California, and unfortunately, um, it didn't go well for me. So I, uh, my heart stopped during the operation, and I was in a coma for three weeks. Um, and wow. it was very hard on my family because they didn't know if I would come out of it or not. Um, anyway, I came out of it on Christmas Day, on the 25th of December, and uh, in the hospital, and I stayed in the ICU for another uh, three weeks. And um, uh, after that, uh, um, I went home. I now have a lab band, and unfortunately, for two years, I, uh, I vomited and threw up every single day after every single meal. I remember eating meals with you when you had that, and yes, it was that? it was hard to watch. You know, yeah, you hard, yeah. had you would like to eat, but you just couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't, and I had to throw up every single meal. Um, so it, it was it went very bad for me. Unfortunately, I did lose weight. I went from uh, from four twenty five, I believe, I went to all the way to uh, three fifty. So I lost a lot of weight. So it's almost like seventy five pounds. Mm. Yeah, so I did feel better, and um, but. Uh, um, I mean, with, with doctors talking to doctors and so on, it is more dangerous for me to vomit every day than actually being fat. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it can cause a lot <laughs> sure. of problems for me and for uh, my teeth might all fall off because of the acid. And right. there's so many things about vomiting that is definitely more dangerous. So um, three years ago, I decided to go back under the knife and I actually took it off. So I took my lap band off and... Um, Immediately, within the next day, uh, nothing happened, thank God, during that uh, operation. (laughs) So I got home the same day. But they took it off in Stanford here in California. And... um and uh, no more vomiting. And this was an experience after two years. But uh, um, I gained weight. Uh, definitely, I gained uh, pretty much around sure. 30 pounds right away. Mm. So right now, I'm at, uh, well, I, I, last time I did it uh, in December, uh, it was I was 373 pounds. Yeah. And my goal to, to get to 250. Um, I don't mm. want to be a skinny guy, you know. Uh, I don't want to uh, compete with uh, George Clooney or anybody like that. <laughs> but, uh, but if I go to 250, that would be great. Um, and I, of course, I tried diets all over the uh, last 25 yeah. years. Um, never worked for me. But for You even one, tried a low-carb diet once, didn't you? I did. Uh, the uh, What do you call it? In the the Atkins South, diet. South, uh, Beach South Beach diet. Also, I did that, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it di- didn't work for me. And you can be on it for a little bit. and then Because the state of mind was that I am on a diet. Uh, and let's see what will happen in two weeks or two months or whatever. Sure. Once you put a time period on something... Uh, that means you're telling yourself you're going to go back to where you were after that period of time. So, um, yeah. And stress definitely doesn't help. So no matter what you do, uh, whether you're on uh, a ketogenic or anything else, uh, if you have so much stress in your life, it's definitely going to affect you. It's a, it's a complicated body. It's not uh, one plus one equals a two. There is a lot involved. Mm. But uh, uh, one of the most important things that I felt is that if you have a clear mind and focus, you can think better. You can actually uh, definitely make better decisions. So um, 
So when you have so many problems with stress and overeating and, and weight and all that stuff, you have to pick one and focus on one, but you have to pick the right one. And I think uh, starting January 1st, I owe it to myself, to definitely my wife and kids to be here for a long time, hopefully. Uh, I decided to tackle this one this year, which is uh, go on the ketogenic. I, I'm so proud of both of you seeing your before and after pictures. Uh, I'm really very proud of both of you. I mean, uh, I know Thank Carl uh, loved to drink. Uh, we know each other for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and for him to give that up and being able to look the way he looks right now, I'm very, very proud of you. Mm. Richard, I've seen you, of course, in the last 20, 25 years. And looking yeah. at your pictures now, it's unfortunate that I'm married because I would date you, buddy. <laughs> this is awesome. Um. <laughs> uh, don't make me get the hat. <laughs> That's another thing. I've never laughed so hard this la than I have in these last few days. This whole family yeah. just loves to crack each other up. It's just yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, life is too short. We love to laugh. But like I tell you, I am very, I've never been more optimistic about, um, I don't want to call it a diet. I just want to say a way of life. We call like it a lifestyle. We're doing it right now. Um, is that we love, we're eating the food that we all love. I mean, all four of us are carnivores, you know. Uh, we <laughs> right. love what, we, uh, what we're doing right now. And my wife is with us 100% on this. So I feel really good. I feel really good. And we're not going to miss anything. And if we ever feel like we need to have something like pasta, we found a substitute to that. Bread, we have yeah. a substitute to that. Um, yeah. Cookies today. I mean, yeah. everything we love to eat has been there. Um, so I'm very, and the way I feel right now, I wish I can just, I don't know how to say through uh, the microphone to tell people like the way I feel right now, if you're thinking about this, um, it's just worth just the feeling that I'm feeling right now. Feeling focused, it's uh, um, it's almost 9.30 at night right now. Yeah, and I'll yeah. tell you, I, I feel great. Uh, before I would be in bed by 8.30 because I just can't keep my eyes open. And now um, I, I just really feel good. I don't want to repeat myself a hundred times, no, but true. I really do feel good. <laughs> And you got chicken parm. Yes, it was amazing yeah. yesterday. I can't believe that was a healthy stuff. I feel like I'm cheating. This is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow, but it's great. Yeah, it is I, great. I think one of the things one of the things that's important is that uh, any of us who have problems with dealing with uh, glucose, we become further deranged if we have glucose in our diet. That's genetic. Our kids inherit the same abilities as us. Now, I know, I think Lino and I, in fact, all of us learned in our 30s that we were going to be diabetic at some point in our life. And uh, the thing is that had we known what to look for in our tests, we could have actually determined that 20 years earlier when the effort to make the change would have been so much significantly less. Right. And this, this I think, is something that, that we can really – we can really push to the next generation. Lino's boys and my nephews and nieces, yeah. Carl's kids. Yeah. You know, this is this is the opportunity to uh, to to find out whether they've got a problem with glucose. Um, it's a very simple insulin test that can determine that, and uh, and then correct early where the necessary deviation is much smaller because, you know, once you get to where where we three are, you know, uh, the correction necessary to make a change is much more significant. I'd go further than that, Richard. I would say don't even test. Just stop eating sugar, stop eating carbs and eat more fat. And it's as good <laughs> yeah. for kids as it is for us. I, I want to jump in here, guys, and tell you, I think it's also psychological for people. You know, when you tell people eat a piece of fat instead of a piece of bread, and you look at the fat right. and uh, psychologically based on what you have been brainwashed for so many years that this is disgusting, uh, they can't comprehend, like, how can I eat that piece of fat? It would be better for me than that beautiful piece of uh, French bread, you know? Right. Um, and and sure. then we just... 
by watching TV and listening to other people telling you bad information that fat is bad for you. Be, and the way it looks, it might not be very appealing, <laughs> the fat. Yeah. But yeah. in reality, um, I can tell you, for the last 10 days, I've been eating fat, a little bit protein, and no carbs whatsoever. And um, and I feel much better. And I can feel it in my in the pants as well that I'm, I'm losing yeah. weight. So Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a miracle, man. So... What we did yesterday was we all sat around, all five of us sat around the table, and I had brought my glucometer, and we all took our blood sugar, our ketone levels, and blood pressure. Lino's got this very cool nice. blood pressure machine that you just put on your wrist and hold up to your heart. Ah. I got to get one of these because this is I got really, to get me one of these. Really <laughs> awesome. And so everybody took their you know baseline, and so we figured we'd come at the end of the week and see if there was any improvement. And then, you know, you could do this on a weekly mm. basis and, and see what, see what, uh, see what's going on. So Lino, what were your numbers? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember very well. <laughs> yeah, so my worst thing, of course, was the blood pressure. This has been with me for several years now and I'm on the yeah. medication, but even with the medication, which is three of them, actually, I'm still at 197 over 117, which is very, very high. Wow. Um, pretty much actually with these numbers, if you go to a hospital and they take these numbers, they would not let you go home. You would have to be yeah, admitted. Yeah. So I've been living with that for a long time now, which is uh, very scary. It's a, it's a stroke uh, about to happen anytime. Now. Risk, so yeah. it's very, very scary. However, so. you did tell me that you had a carotid artery scan and it was negative. Yes, yes. They did it on my both sides of my, uh, my throat and here and they said I don't have any plaque at all. Um, zero. Uh, so that's good news. That's really good news. Yeah, that's that's really good news. news. That means you're not yeah. as inflamed as yeah. uh, most people who are walking around yes, today. Of course, I'm a, I'm a diabetic. As we, I've been diabetic for over yeah. 12 years now. Um, so mm. um, uh, the, uh, the blood sugar yesterday was 144 in the middle of the day. Um, mm. um, but it had been much it, higher. It has you, been 280 to 300 before. So yeah. wow. uh, that's definitely a welcome thing. I would love for hopefully in the next few weeks we'll go below 100. I'll be a very happy man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, mm. So these are the problems that I have right now. And then when we did the uh, ketones, uh, mm. we found out that uh, I'm at 0 0.4, which is I'm 0 0.1 away from being in ketosis. So when you start with 0 <laughs> 0.5, that means you're in ketosis. I'm at 0 0.4, so I'm almost there after nine days. So I'm looking forward to uh, to start burning the fat instead of the sugar. That would be awesome. Yeah. I've got to admit that uh, my physiological range for ketones is 0.4 to 0.8. I'm in ketosis the whole time, um, but I can go down as low as 0.4 and still be producing ketones and still have the mental effects. And I was speaking to one of the doctors who uh, who was the original researcher in a lot of this stuff, and he says that in his lab, they've got some athletes who go down to 0.3 or 0.2 and are still evidently in ketosis. So... Point point five is not necessarily as hard a cutoff now as it was thought to be two years ago when a lot of these books were written. So, so point four is fine, Lena. That that's that's pretty good. All right, so you're in. That's I was awesome. also very very curious to see that uh, the kids had good blood sugar. Yeah, and yeah. even uh, 
not bad ketones either, right? No, no. Both mm-hmm. kids were in the 70s and early in so low 80s for the sugar, which is awesome. I'm very, I nice. was very worried yeah. about genetics and my kids becoming diabetics, but I'm yeah. glad that they are yeah. in very, very uh, safe levels. And, uh, and Jessica uh, had 70 or something. Yeah, and Jessica, my wife, is actually great too, which is awesome. And then ketones-wise, my wife was 0.7 yeah. <laughs> after actually one week on the, <laughs> on the diet. Nice. And uh, my son was 0.3. Yeah, and uh, yeah. my other son, the youngest one, he has not done it. Um, he hasn't started yet. yet. He just started yesterday, and we took it yesterday, and he was zero point one. So I was very happy that somebody else is below me, which is very good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Lino, you're you're Egyptian ethnology, right? Yeah, hey, nobody's you, perfect. Originally, yeah, <laughs> no, no, I like Egyptians. <laughs> so, but one of the interesting things is that uh, is that they have uh, a particular. Uh, genetic issue with uh, with uh, managing glucose, and it's um, it, there is a GIF out there that shows the world progressing over forty years through each stage of obesity. So you know it starts out in the seventies, and uh, the, you know the obesity rates maybe five percent in most of these nations, and then over time every year each nation gets progressively worse. The hot zone where it all starts is either in the Gulf states, Kuwait and Saudi Arabia, or Egypt and Libya. Wow. And those are the they sort of start really tipping over the edge before even America and Australia. Obviously, America and Australia get there because uh, we've all got problems. Yeah. But at one point, I think uh, it, I, I saw a statistic that said 50% of all women in Egypt uh, type two diabetic or uh, or about to be as wow. in pre diabetic. Wow, that so is very it's, sad it's to significant. Hear. <laughs> wow. It it is, but it but it, it it's kind of makes sense. I mean, Egypt was the grain basket of the world for for thousands of years and yeah. tens of thousands. And most of, of years, our so. food actually in Egypt, everything is being eaten with bread. Everything, uh, no matter what you're going right. to be cooking, there is always have to be bread on the table, and and they like yeah. to take that bread and eat it with anything they're 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 eating on the table. So it's a yeah. major it's a, part of the. It's meal. a cultural. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a cultural imperative, and things like dates as well. Dates are very high in glucose, and they're also part of a, I don't know, is that so much in Egypt or is that more in the Gulf it's states? It's more in the Gulf, the dates and the stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure right. they eat it also in Egypt. I mean, we used to as well, yeah. but not as yeah. much as in the in the Gulf area as well, yeah. Yeah, right. So, uh, so I mean, the, the, the problem is that if, if your culture says, tells you, you've got to eat bread with every meal because that's what you do as part of that culture, it's very difficult to break, break free of that kind of thing. I know that in Dubai, there's a huge... Uh, uptick in soda consumption because not right. a lot of them drink alcohol, and so soda is their sort of drink of celebration. The same in Egypt as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of drinking, of course, there. So the soda is everywhere and every corner you can buy a drink while you're walking in the street and so on. But I think bread is the thing that br- uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, bread has to be present on the table. And right. even stores going on, because we, when we were kids, we used to go to places where we can get some uh, kebab and stuff like that. It's all being put in bread. I mean, very yeah. rarely you will ask for this without bread. It's always sandwiches of kebab and stuff like yeah. that. And you put sure. the, the tahini and the hummus on it and so yeah. on. But it's always in bread. So nice. Uh, the, the, the food there, uh, bread was the major ingredient of every meal. Hey, speaking of tahini and hummus, Richard, what do you know about tahini and hummus in terms of uh, insulogenic uh, qualities or uh, glycemic index or any of that? 
you know, chickpeas are not particularly good, um, at, but I have seen some low-carb versions of hummus. I've not seen tahini. Tahini's the, the one with uh, ses- sesame, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I don't know a lot about a low-carb version of tahini, but it's a research point. Uh, yeah, it's something for me to go research. Right. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Very good. So, Richard, that was my week. (laughs) (laughs) We're having so much fun here Uh, with Carly. He's so funny, and the kids are just enjoying him so much, and it's really been a pleasure. Well, you know, it's been it's been hard to be away from my wife for so long. But on the other hand, I really love to cook and I love to cook for people who appreciate it. And, you know, not a slam to Kelly, but she doesn't eat ketogenic food. And so, right. uh, you know, so she's she's eating her own stuff more than she eats what I make, except for sure. a few key dishes like chicken wings. <laughs> yeah, I'm very disappointed that she's not. And for a punishment uh, for for Kelly, you're not going back. You're staying with us. So that, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a lot easier when the when. Everybody in the family goes ketogenic. I, I know Julie didn't need to go ketogenic for her health, but it turned out that she lost uh, almost 70 pounds herself. She went from 96 kilos down to 61 kilos. So, you know, she lost a remarkable amount of weight as well, and she didn't even realize that, that she had a, bit, a problem until she tried it. And and she was really going on the ketogenic diet to try and help me because I was diabetic and because this was going to help me save my toes. I had a doctor tell me, if you can't get glu- in good glucose control, and I don't believe you can, we're going to have to cut off your toe. So, I mean, that that was a, an eye-opener for me. That was the point where I realized that I needed to do something about it. Uh, but as I say, I mean, having Julie do that probably helped me a lot. It's a tough road for Carl being the only person in the family that is ketogenic. Well, but not really um, because I have – because I've got a whole podcast. I mean, how many people can say that they've yeah. got, you know, tens of thousands of people who know what you ate for breakfast? Right. <laughs> well, two two in this room. Yeah. No, it's it's an incredible uh commitment device just to be a part of yeah. this and and Richard, I got to thank you for for getting me on it. And I know it was my oh, idea to do the podcast, to. but but yeah. uh, it was definitely your guidance that that saw me through. I'm I'm very proud of where we've gotten to. The pair of us, we we have managed to create a community in Facebook with twelve and a half thousand people in it. It'll be fifteen thousand by the end of this month, no yeah. doubt. And we're we're walking away from that. Uh, I mean, just about everybody else on Facebook is commercializing their 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 product. They're running boot camps. They're doing cookbooks. They're doing all these kinds of things. Right. For us, it was building a community. It was. Moving off Facebook once we outgrew it, the ketogenic forums is has already got three and a half thousand people. Uh, it's a vibrant community that is sharing information, and I couldn't be prouder of where we've gotten to in the past year. I I know we only started this podcast as a commitment device for you, but it's turned into uh, it's turned into a movement. It's turned into a revolution. You know, we're going to be able to create a grassroots revolution out of this um, because. Change is not happening from the top down. The Diabetes Associations of Australia and America and the Dietetic Associations of Australia, America and South Africa, they're fighting this tooth and nail. Yeah. They are pro- prosecuting doctors who speak out about this because they don't want um, voices of authority to be supporting this uh, way of, of living. And if we allow this to go on, 
um, we're just going to get sicker and more medicated and lose parts of our limbs and yeah. um, die early of, uh, of, of heart disease. And, uh, you know, for me, the obvious answer is if it's not going to change from the top down, it's got to change from the bottom up. Yes, sir. And the way to change it from the bottom up is to build a community and then get that community building their communities and basically push it out forward. So That's right. That I couldn't be prouder of where we've gotten to. We've still got a lot of work ahead of us, but uh, uh, we're committed and we're motivated. And one thing that we'd love to see and we want to see more of is people in our Facebook group start their own local closed Facebook groups. Start your own Facebook group and ride it as far as you can. Uh, that's, That's what we're doing. We're paying it forward. We hope you do the same. What, what I can believe, which is really I can't fathom, is how did Carl go and cook for 12,000 people so far? <laughs> that is unbelievable. Yeah, it's called a blog. <laughs> <laughs> I cook it once for it's me. Called, <laughs> you, know, you know how he does it? It's called recipes. <laughs> awesome. Recipes. Recipes. Lino, give us a recipes. Recipes. Yeah. <laughs> Badass. Hey, uh, speaking of recipes, you know, Kim Howerton's coming over for lunch tomorrow. Oh, really? Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So, what are you going to cook for it? We're making Carl's Head Pizza. Ah, nice. <laughs> you know, it's like Carl's Head Pizza. What are you, crazy? You, know, you got a pizza named after you? No, just, just your head. Just my. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to tell you what we had for breakfast yesterday. It wasn't this morning. I okay. think this morning we made uh, bacon, egg, and cheese sandwiches. But yesterday, mm, nice. we had deconstructed scotch eggs. Oh, interesting. So a scotch egg is an egg that's soft-boiled right. for only about four minutes, mm-hmm. just enough to set the whites. Yep. And then you peel the egg, and then you take a bunch of sausage that you add some herbs and spices to, and you mold it around the egg, roll it in breadcrumbs or egg wash, flour, breadcrumbs, whatever, and deep fry it. Nice. So it's awesome, but it's a lot of work and it's messy. Sure. So I thought, why couldn't we just have the flavor of scotch eggs without all the ceremony? Okay. So that's it. The sausage is... uh, Got ground mustard, you know, mustard powder. Yeah. You, you want to use English mustard, which has got, got a horseradishy flavor. But if you don't have that, just mustard powder. A little parsley flake and a little nutmeg. And you just mosh all that together. And then what you do is coat it in what I call keto crumbs. Mm. So this Keto crumbs is a combination of pork rind, uh, pork rind dust and grated Parmesan right. cheese. Yeah. And we use this all the yeah, time yeah, to yeah. make chicken parm. This is what we made our chicken parm with. So basically, you don't even have to use egg wash. You just dredge it and then fry it in a little olive oil in the pan. I guess you could always sous vide a 63-degree egg if you really wanted to. You certainly could. I make a three-minute egg if you want them runny, four minutes for soft, and six minutes for medium. Sure. I love the sous vide. I just bought mine and I put it in a jacuzzi with a couple of onions and I sat in it. It was awesome. <laughs> Lino stew. 
So, uh, so then you remove the eggs and you immerse them in cold water for 60 seconds to stop the cooking process. And sure. to open them, what I do is I have this little technique my mother taught me when I was young. I need a technique for opening eggs. Yeah. You hold the egg in your hand, take a butter knife and whack it right in the middle so that a knife goes about mm-hmm. halfway through the egg. And then you can peel it apart. And with a, a spoon, a small spoon, like a teaspoon, just... Scoop it all out. Scoop it out the inside, yeah. Put that over your egg and hopefully it's still a little runny. The butter knife actually goes halfway into the egg. That's right. Doesn't that break the yolk? Yeah, sometimes it does. Yep. But okay. uh, if if you do it light enough, it will crack it without breaking the yolk. Yeah. But that allows you to get purchase on the shell and pull you it all it. back. I always have this problem with shells. Um, there's a saying, you know, eggs will peel the way that they want to peel, whether you want to or not. Yeah. And so you're going to end up with chunks out of it. You know, some of the best cooks in the world still end up with chunks out of their eggs as they peel them. So right. So that's why I just, you know, I don't care about how it looks. I want it to taste yeah. good. So I just sure. take that spoon and dig it all out and there you go. And Bob's your uncle. Nice. Nice. All right, what do you got, Richard? I've got a, uh, a sous vide recipe, and this one is uh, actually on the ANOVA culinary site, mm. uh, but we'll put a link to it in the show notes. And this is Heston Blumenthal's sous vide scrambled eggs. Ooh. Now, uh, I've made I've made these with my old uh, Aldi uh, sous vide machine, and I've made them now with the Anova, which is a circulator. And the circulator uh, it gets much better control over the temperature and produces much better product. Mm. But uh, the uh, so so the way that these eggs work you, for one person, you basically have three large eggs and uh, about a tablespoon of whole milk and a tablespoon of heavy cream. Mm. And you want to mix them in a bowl, whisk them together, the eggs, the milk, and the cream, um, and uh, you want to – uh, you want to have maybe a, a tablespoon of, of melted butter. And once you've whipped the eggs, the milk, and the cream together, you pour the butter in and you whisk that in and season it with salt and pepper. And so what that, uh, what that does is that the, the fats in the butter emulsify through the mixture. And so you, you don't end up with fat floating on the top. You end up with a, the whole, the whole mix well, well mixed. Now is a whisk enough or do you, should you use an electric mixer? I wouldn't use an electric mixer. I'd use a, no. a hand whisk for this. A hand whisk is enough for, for eggs. Electric mixer tends to, uh, it, it heats them up a little oh. bit, and it can do. It can. It can. Uh, it can be so much energy going into it that it can damage the proteins. Oh, no and so I like a gent. I like a gentle whisk to basically you end up with a more more gentle curd um, wow. I- with the eggs. So um, so uh, basically you put put this mix in a Ziploc bag, uh, a uh, freezer bag, say with a, with a Ziploc on it, and you want to get all of the air or as much air out of it as you can. So one thing you can do is you can get a bowl of water and d- drop the bag into the bowl of the water with just this, the, the Ziploc part of it outside of the water. This is called the Archimedean method. And basically, <laughs> yeah. if you leave a little gap in the Ziploc, the air will, re- will, will basically come out of the bag. You can then close off the Ziploc, and now you've got a, a, a basically sous vide bag. Wow. It's under vacuum because there's no air in it. And it would be hard to vacuum seal uh, eggs in a bag because they'd all get sucked into the vacuum. Yeah, you have to use. There are some. There are some retail vacuums that have a liquid setting, so um, the 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 vacuum is at a lower level. Or you use a commercial process where I mean they can they can the commercial vacuum sealers they they can they can work with uh, liquid quite easily. But um, the Archimedean method is just good enough. 
The reason for getting the air out of the bag is the air provides insulation between the temperature and the food on the uh, on the inside. So the temperature being the water on the outside and the food on the inside. Mm. So if you remove that insulation, there uh, the temperature goes straight in. And so um, or the, te- the yeah, so you can you equalize the temperature between the water and the the food very quickly. Yeah. So. Um, so what you're going to do is you're going to cook at uh, 75 Celsius uh, or 167 Fahrenheit. So you set the uh, the uh, your sous vide machine to that. You get the water up to temperature, and then you place the bags in the in the water bath for 15 minutes. And every three or five minutes, or three to five minutes, you remove the bag from the water bath and gently massage the eggs because what's going to be happening is you the the curds are going to be are going to be cooking and setting and you want to break them apart so that the liquid in between them um, uh, has an opportunity to also cook. Oh, my. And so this this is what really makes them scrambled eggy. Uh, and um, you can uh, – so you every three to five minutes you basically pull it out. So about three times in the 15 minutes. Okay. And then um, – and then what you uh, what what I like to do is I like to put a, maybe a tablespoon of butter in a small saucepan over a medium heat mm-hmm. and add a bit of truffle oil to that. Ooh. And I'm going to use this as a sauce over the top of my eggs afterwards. Ah. So um, so basically, uh, so after 15 minutes, your scrambled eggs come out. You can put them straight on a plate, and then I, I put a little bit of the the, the butter truffle oil um, sauce over the top of that, and it's delicious. So what is what is the consistency? <laughs> is it runny? Is it scrambled eggs? What is it like? It it is it is runny and set. Well, I guess it is fluid and set. So uh, so it's kind of like you know when you break open a sixty three egg and the yolk in the middle of that slowly seeps out, but okay. it, it doesn't rush out like a flood of liquid coming. It's it's cooked, and so it's so it's. I guess I guess the consistency is it is fluid. It will flow, but it is set, and mm. uh, yeah, the the flavor is particu- yeah. particularly <laughs> truffle oil yeah. with eggs well, that works sounds like really a sexy really well. Breakfast. You're suspending the uh, <laughs> the eggs in the sous vide, and you're massaging it. You should be calling it Kobe eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Treated like Kobe beef. Yeah. <laughs> Give That's it a beer right. and a massage. <laughs> a beer. So, Lena, will you come back from time to time and keep us surprised of your progress? Oh, it will be my pleasure. I'll be, uh, hopefully, a couple, every couple of months, I'll tell you how uh, well I'm doing because I know that I'll be doing very well with this. So, I'm very excited. We ought to spin off another podcast, Richard, just to uh, track I Lino's so. progress, <laughs> see how he's doing. Would you be into that, boss? I'm ready, big man. I'm so excited right now. That's an uh, that's a great idea. I wonder if anybody would listen to it. Let us know what you think and send us a, send us an email. Yeah, come and see us on the ketogenic forums and uh, and and tell us what you thought about the podcast. So, of course, if you have anything else you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something that you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute anything we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com or post it on our website. And you can follow us on Twitter at 2KetoDudes, on Instagram, 2KetoDudes. And, of course, if you want to join our forum, it's www.ketogenicforums.com or you can go to forum.2keto.com and that'll go to the same place. All right. Now, keep calm and keto on, Richard. Yeah, keep calm and keto on, Carl. Keep calm and keto on, Lino. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. On two keto dudes.